And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Okay, welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. My special guest, my colleague Joe Smith at The Athletic, uh, will both be at the draft next week in Nashville. We leave Monday. Drafts uh, weirdly timed this year on a Wednesday and Thursday in Nashville. 20 years since the 2003 draft. And our special guest today, uh, returning champion to the show, uh, director of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Wild, Judd Brackett, uh, restaurant tour. How is the port going this summer? Great start to the season. We uh, we finally had uh, a kickoff. Memorial Day for us is sort of the the start of season, but we've we've struggled with weather and COVID for probably the last three to four years. So this was the first real big kickoff, and uh, it was a great 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 weekend, great weather, a lot of people down. So good indication that this should be a good season. Definitely check out the story that I wrote on Judd and his brother last uh, summer when I uh, got to dine at the port. Uh, absolutely fabulous meal, great wine. Uh, and just a great, great scene there over in uh, in Cape Cod. So hopefully check that out. Uh, Judd, the draft next week, you're fourth at the helm, but yet you've only been here three years. Uh, it's your first draft in three with only f- one first-round pick, if I remember correctly. Um, what's your thoughts going into this year's draft? As exciting as ever. Um, you know, this is a, a pretty well-documented group, right? This is a lot of players that come in with, you know, with high pedigrees, and and I don't think they just dis- disappointed. Most of them had big seasons. You look across, uh, you know, the CHL, some high scorers and great production uh, performances on the big stage at World Juniors. So this is an exciting draft class. Um, you know, at twenty one, we're at the mercy of a little bit of other teams and and seeing what happens as the draft unfolds. But it's exciting. Our guys have put a lot of work in. Um, you know, I feel like we, you know, sort of comb through more names than typical. So that, uh, speaks to maybe the depth and volume of, uh, of this draft as well. Sure, I did the story the other day, just how tough it is historically to trade back in the top 10. And especially I'm sure this year is even tougher with how much elite talent's there. Like from your perspective, as long as I'm accurate on that one, is what's like the number 12 to 22 look like? I mean, is there guys that you have in your list that like, Hey, if they fall to 17 or 18, that's a logistic, that's a possible situation where you guys would consider jumping at that opportunity yeah you know and we do a lot of that work we'll do we'll continue to do it in nashville too a lot of scenarios in terms of trade up trade back um you know where the markers are on our list of you know which players we would consider moving up for which players we want to you know hold out for um you know and if and if we feel we've exhausted a, a strong t- top tier of our list maybe we'd move back so we have to play that all out um we saw it even you know with in jesper's year um the ability to move up and you know he was a player on our list that we just couldn't ignore um and and lucky enough and you know bill was very aggressive on the on the phones and turned down a couple times but we didn't take no we kept on searching and, and made it happen so you know, we have to be quick uh, in terms of the evaluation. Um, and then, you know, Bill's got to be great and, and have these relationships that he has to be able to pick up the phone and, and have that conversation and make a, make a quick call and, you know, in a three, four, five minute window. So it's an exciting week, uh, but the more scenarios we can walk through, the more prepared we are. How, um, you know, the mock drafts that you do, I mean, do, do you pretty much do that right up until draft day? Because the, the videos that we saw behind the scenes last year, if you're, if you're reading between the lines, it really felt like you telegraphed exactly what you guys were going to do in that first round where at 19, 
both Ogren and Yurov were going to be there, and you took the risk to take Ogren first, hoping and assuming that Yurov, maybe because of the Russian factor, was still going to be there at 24. Um, you know, d- reading between the lines, one, was that pretty much accurate? Did we read that right? And, and two, do you, are, are you going to be doing that again, where you just exercise um, pretty much every scenario? Yeah, and it is right. It is the scenario that we, you know, we we walked through, and and it did play itself out on draft day. But it wasn't the only scenario we walked through too. And it, it, you know, there were other players that you know we had interest in. I think even there might be some video there. Uh, you know, when Snuggard was still there, we were still discussing. You know, you know, a player we thought and anticipated being gone. So again, thinking on our feet, and you know, are we going to stay the path here with with Europe? And I, I believe it was St. Louis who took snugger right in front of us and that made the decision you know moot but these are the scenarios that we have to walk through because you know at the table it is quick it is also hard to to have some of these discussions you know your other teams nearby we sort of talk in code use numbers you know what do we think of <laughs> you know number eight on our list or 12 on our list so instead of by name so you know a lot of the groundwork has to be laid in advance um so that when a scenario happens we're ready to pull the trigger on it Judd, we, as you know, we do our mock drafts at The Athletic as well. And I want to see if you can grade uh, my or our pick, clearly after hours of video <laughs> and, and watching live. But uh, I picked uh, Edouard uh, Sale, Sh- Sale, right? So we pronounce his name. Uh, yeah. How would you grade uh, my draft there? And, and and just a general question, with the deep prospect pool, do you feel more comfortable taking more of a bigger swing on a guy with a little more risk to his game versus reward considering where you are? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our focus is still, we want best available. And when you talk about Ever Chalet, you're talking about a guy at 6'2 that can skate with terrific hands, prolific scorer, has done it. You know, his draft uh, minus one year is, you know, is as good as anyone's and playing against men this year. So uh, you guys took a big swing. And uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's what people like, right? We want goal scoring and uh, that's what he brings. <laughs> That sounds like an endorsement of your pick to me. So like a B, B plus maybe. Okay. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Deep down, Judd's like, this guy's out of it. <laughs> um, Judd, uh, I'm working on like 2003 anniversary stories and you were, you were a young pop pep then. I think uh, you were probably still an ink strange wretch. I think you were a sports writer, right? Around 2003? Yeah. Were you scared? No, I don't. I don't think I had made the transition into scouting yet. I've okay, been, still been dabbling with in some coaching, so not not okay. Not far out of school those days. Um. Well, two thousand three was still. I mean, it, by far my most fun draft as a sports writer. I mean, one, it's in Nashville. Um. Two, you know, I was covering a team that was right in the middle of it. They had two first round picks. They had the first overall pick. They traded down to number three. Took Nathan Horton. But then in the like third, fifth, seventh, and ninth rounds, they tried to take Alex Ovechkin one year before he was draft eligible based on leap years, uh, which is a cool story that I'm working on this year, um, this this week as well. So basically, if you look at the dates, Alex Ovechkin was was two days from being draft eligible in 03, and they tried to base on leap years that he should have been draft eligible. Um, didn't work, by the way. Um but how that would have changed the fate of many, many franchises. Um, but Jed, that, that draft, I mean, you look down the first round lists, it's just a dream of, of just a laundry list of stars, but then it doesn't stop there. You got Bergeron and Bufflin and Pavelski and Weber, um, Erickson, all these guys that, uh, that were taken in the later rounds. Is that to, like, has there, since you started scouting, been a draft even equivalent to something like that? 
Uh, I mean, X year is, is pretty close too. I mean, you look through that, that first round and it's, it's, you know, player after player that's making an impact on their team. Um, you know, and, and time will tell, maybe this is another one too. This draft, you know, certainly comes in well-documented and you've got, you know, a lot of high powered offense in this draft. So, um, you know, there's the potential for some some guys to really hit high marks and 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 be impactful players for their team. So this is this is an exciting draft. We approach every draft like it has that potential, um, you know, and and this this could be one of them. Jed, one of your first rounders that fans are really excited and curious about is Marco Rossi. Um, they've seen him a little bit more in the NHL this past year. Just what do you remember about what you liked the most about him in that draft? And do you, did you kind of foresee some of the growing pains that you're probably seeing him go through or wanting to be more, you know, explosive and, and harder on the puck and stuff like that with his size? Like, what would, did you see then? And what do you kind of envision as far as that developmental cycle where people think these guys are going to jump in the first year and be top six center? Yeah, I think what you're seeing for one is is just how good the National Hockey League is, right? I mean, Marco, uh, you know, dominated the the Ontario Hockey League, which is not doesn't happen very often. I mean, he did it to a tune of you know 120 points, did it playing the middle, um, you know, and we've seen his transition. He's he's still a top line center. I think he was second in the American League in uh, time on ice for forwards this year. He's the top penalty killer face-off man, you know, was at producing at, uh, you know, a point of game rate, which he's, you know, he even did at the world championships too. So Marco is, is continued to, to perform, continues to produce points. I think it's just a matter of, you know, when the right opportunity is there and, and it's going to be up to him to seize it. So, um, you know, for me, I, you know, there was, you can't forecast the year that was missed, but the, the development and the production here is still right on base and he's still a very exciting player for us. Judge, you, you know, as a, as a head scout at times, I mean, is it even stressful for you when you look at other players that might, you know, have, have sort of jumped or, you know, accelerated the development curve and, and are performing in the NHL? I remember Dumba's draft year, there were so many defensemen, if you remember, and for three, four years, everybody's like uh, trying to figure out who took the right guy. I mean, do you have that, that same thought sometimes when you see guys like Jarvis and Perfetti and, and Lundell performing? Yeah. And I, you know what, and we don't sit around and say, who's going to be there first. We want the best player when they arrive and we want them to perform, you know, the way we do, you know, the, the way we envision them being as a player, you know, some of the players we mentioned outside of Lundell have either moved to the wing and aren't performing down the middle. We want a center. We think Marco can be that he's a two way guy. He's very responsible. Um, and with the production, you know, but you don't have to look far. I mean, you know, Dylan Gunther is the ninth overall pick the year later. He's still playing in the Western Hockey League. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know, patience is important. There is growing pains, um, but there's still good growth rate going. So I think uh, there's still a lot of reason to be excited about Marco. I was around Arizona in November before he went to World Juniors, uh, Judd. I thought he was a stick boy, uh, Dylan Gunther. Like, that's how young he looked. Um Can I ask you just one follow-up on that? Like, why why is it so hard to uh, for for centers – to find those elite centers like what I mean you know again as you just mentioned I just I just covered the Stanley Cup final and Lundell's playing wing like why is it and they still I know project him to be a center but why is it so hard to find that elite guy it, 
it's just such a premium position, right? It's you're trusted with so many responsibilities right off the hop. We're winning faceoff, right? That's a that's a puck possession right off the start. So you lose a draw, you're immediately you know on de- on defense and 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 trying to regain possession. So there's so many intricacies of playing center, supporting down low, moving pucks quickly, getting your wingers involved. You know, transition speed, winning low battles, being strong. It's a, it's a really challenging position and it's not to diminish the other roles it's just so important to have strength down the middle um you know it's it's why you see sometimes with defensemen they still have a strength that might be their calling might be offense but they got to continue to learn how to defend or get inside and get to pucks first and make quick decisions so it's the speed of the game it's the strength of the game it's the overall caliber of of you know you look at the national hockey league and how fast it's getting right now the skill level is so high but you you know to be a center you have to be trusted um, you know, and you got to either be able to kill penalties or, or get involved on the power play too. So it's, uh, it's, it's a position that takes time. Some guys get the reps on the wing early, so that keeps their confidence high, you know, from the offensive standpoint. But at the end of the day, if you're going to play down the middle, you've got to be someone that can be trusted. You got to be able to play when you're hurt. You got to be able to play when you're sick. Um, it's a grind. Uh, it's a challenging position to play. And, you know, I think Marco continues to do it at a high level. You know, the American Hockey League is is terrific hockey and a lot of skilled players. And, you know, to play the minutes he's playing and, and to continue to produce and still be the top penalty killer there, I think, is uh, is is what we want to see. We want him to be that two-way guy uh, with that production production as well. Judd, I covered the Lightning for 10, 12 years, and they had an overarching kind of question that they asked for trades, free agency, and especially the draft. And they asked the question is, is he a bolt? And they had an identity that they have for their team at all levels, you know, focusing on competitiveness, uh, hockey sense, and obviously skill there too. Uh, what would you say the identity of a wild player is or a wild prospect that you guys, I know everybody's different, they're different qualities. And is there a quality that you guys have maybe favor more this year versus like previous years, like competitiveness? versus like skating kind of thing. Yeah, I think as as scouts, we continue to evaluate the overall abilities of players and and we're never going to get away from from hockey sense and skill and skating. But I, I don't think you have to look far. It starts with our leader, you know, and and with Bill and and Dean and how they want us to play. I mean, we're a gritty team. We're competitive. We're hard to play against. So I think that's always going to be a hallmark. We we want guys that are still skilled and that are that are fast and and compete. But we want that you know that that high character guy that's going to give you everything you got. That when you come into Minnesota, it's going to be hard to play against us. I think I heard Bill this year say, you know, he wants guys that are that are still going to perform in the most hostile of environments. And that's, that's, that's important. That's something we want when these guys are challenged, can they still step up and perform? Cause that's what it's going to take to win. Is there a harder attribute to teach and develop like skating? It seems like there's a lot of skating coaches that get guys faster, but is there like, if you don't have hockey sense or not as good hockey sense, is that harder to teach or versus competitiveness? Is that harder to get out of guys if you don't already have it? It's, you know what, it's hard to get compete out of players that aren't naturally, you know, if they're not wired that way, um, but you can get moments from it. Hockey sense is something that is, is really hard to teach. It's, you know, it's also hard to quantify as a scout at times, but, uh, you know, it's sort of a catch all, but that's, it's your ability to read, react to, you know, find pucks, pucks find you. It's, you know, having hockey sense, there's just, there's no substitute for it. Judd, you know, uh, just on back on Rossi for one second, uh, you know, Joe Smith's down at the rink today because Rossi flew back from Austria and he's going to spend the rest of the summer here uh, working out with uh, their strength guys, uh, getting on the ice with Andy Ness. 
Um, you know, that, that to me is uh, what he's wired like, right? I mean, he doesn't have to do that. I was in Austria last summer. I know how much he loves it uh, there. I know how much he trains there. I know the way his determination, but for him to show back, come back here, I think it, it, uh, it's got to be reassuring to you and Billy to just see how committed this guy is to want to be here in Minnesota and not in Des Moines next year. Well, hundred percent. That's, I mean, staying here, putting the work in, being around guys that are spending their off seasons here too. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a great off season for Marco, but it also is a clear indication as to how serious he is about not just making the team, but being a contributor. So, you know, the opportunity will be there and it'll be up to him to seize it. And, and a big off season is where it starts. Judd, I was just reading up on uh, Mitch Goff, uh, one of the top European, uh, uh, you know, rated players in this year's draft. And, uh, you know, signed with uh, SKA through 2026. Uh, a lot of this is just deja vu in my head uh, with some of the Russian players that I've covered here in Minnesota and in Florida. Um, and you just, you know, you saw this with Huzandinov. He signed the extension there. He's up after this year. Uh, Yurov just signed the one-year extension, um, which I know that you guys are probably excited about um, in terms of as long as he gets more ice time. But how, how with, you know, with the... The normal Russian factor, even before the, the the war in Ukraine, how big of a factor do you think that will be in this year's draft? And maybe some really quality kids could slide to you. Well, yeah, it's I, it's it's a really it's a little, I'm interested to see how it plays out. We've again, it's probably the biggest wrinkle when we we go through our mocks and our scenarios um, because the new you know the the we're not seeing these players live. That's the you know we, we saw year off you know we saw him up until november and uh 20 tournaments so we had a chance to get in lay eyes on him you know we have an excellent scout in russia who does great work for us um but as a group you know we're very reliant on video um or you know double underage years and underage years so the familiarity with the player is 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 also becoming a little bit less and and you know even the nature of of the competition they're playing against it's always good to see what they do in the mhl and Sometimes it's hard to find minutes in the KHL, but, you know, we, we generally get to see them play against their peers, right? In U18 tournaments or U20 tournaments. So that's a good measuring stick of where, where they really fit in, in the, the overall, you know, list of the, of the, of the draft. So that it's, it's becoming more and more challenging for us to make the evaluations. And then there's also, you know, signability and, and other risks that are now also coming into it. There's always interesting questions that come out of the, the combine in terms of interviews. Like one this year was, what would you people people say at your funeral, or like if a lady cut you in the line? Would you what would you do? Like, what's your general philosophy on that in your interview process? Are you a lot of situational questions like that that go on character? Or are you like watching film and asking them, and trying to figure out their hockey sense? Or what's your you don't have to give us all your questions you ask them, but what kind of general philosophy you try to get out of those interviews? More so picking at the at the character and the makeup, not necessarily, uh, you know, not a not a Monday morning quarterback uh, reviewing and, you know, what was the read here? Uh, we talk more about, you know, you know, looking looking for, you know, the inner workings of them. Have they been through anything? Show us some, you know, have you been through some resiliency or challenges in your life? Um, you know, a lot of these guys are are the best and have been the best for a long time. And, you know, we want to see, you know, it's not going to be easy getting there. So what's going to happen? Uh, are you going to be able to push back? Are you going to make commitments like Marco and move to Minnesota for the summer, you know, after you've missed a whole year of hockey. So we want to make sure that these guys are really wired the right way and are in it for the long haul. 
and uh you know and then we start making a plan with the development staff and but we we know what types of kids they are and and what makes them tick i can see judd and billy both asking like (laughs) how do you want your lobster roll uh prepared and if it's like mayonnaise but not butter they get all flustered or something yeah, well, the poor kid that walks in that's committed to Boston University, like <laughs> he's in trouble. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you about uh, some of your prospects. Um, you know, I just brought up Yurov uh, and and Huznadinov and and Ogren as well. I mean, it almost feels like like this is really going to be aligned perfectly, where all three of these kids could potentially come over here next summer. Um, and I know Huznadinov has a lot more pro experience, and the Wild might be even looking at him potentially making the team in year one. But if not, these three kids growing together, that's just got to really just make you excited. Uh, it, uh, it's an it's an exciting trio for sure. They bring a little bit of, of everything, some speed and heaviness and, and skill. Um, you know, I know when you, when you see Europe, there's still room to build on that frame, but he plays with some power and, and, you know, he look, when you watch him out there, even against men, he, he physically engages and plays in the dirty areas and it's hard to play against Ogren, same thing on that four check and is so tenacious. I mean, he had a tremendous, uh, you know, playoff, uh, against men and, and got that scoring touch back. And they're, they're, they're all three are really exciting and, you know, and are leaders on their teams and, and, and important pieces. So we're, we're, we're really excited about the future with them. Yeah, a lot of really good defense prospects too. Some guys that people saw in Iowa last year. And I wasn't sure if you could kind of touch on a few of the guys that you drafted. And is there any NHL comps that you might see? I know it's hard to put a pressure on a guy, what this guy looks like or who he projects to be. But for guys like Hunt and O'Rourke and Spacek and, um, you know, Lambos, like they're guys that are, seems like they're guys that, te- that players are really, are, fans are really excited about. Yeah, they and they all have you know sort of their own identity. I mean, Carson Lambos uh, played on a really successful Winnipeg team and big minute eater. I mean, I think uh, out in the Western League playoff and in the Seattle series, there was a night he was up to twenty nine minutes in it. So this is a guy that logs a lot of minutes. He's got you know great skater. He doesn't seem to fatigue that way. Plays with bite. Um, you know, good puck mover. So we're really excited to see him turn pro and what the future looks like and. I know that uh, you know Hunt had a had a really strong year in Iowa. had a, had a bout of mono there towards the end, which I think uh, you know sort of took him out of the lineup for for some time, but had made a lot of progress used on the penalty kill. Another guy that physically is mature too, so he's able to sort of uh, have some advancements as as he's got that stronger, heavier body right now. And then O'Rourke, I think that's the thing he probably needs to work on most is just the physical the physical strength and being able to continue through through 80 game seasons. So uh, um, uh, and again, another guy that played on a really successful um, team, the Quebec League, Sherbrooke. I th- thought we were hoping we were going to see them in the Mem Cup playing against the guys in Kamloops, but uh, great year there. Two way two way defender, really strong World jun- Junior tournament as well. Big shot, plays hard abrasive he's just a gamer so excited to see him turn pro as well um how how, fa- how bad do you feel for kyle masters uh getting that injury in, in the in the memorial cup and and how, how like did you expect i know that billy said that he anticipated being a three-month injury is that gonna pretty much keep him from starting the season with iowa yeah, I'm not sure what it'll impact in terms of the start of the season. It was awkward. He went in there with that was sort of on the tailbone first into the boards. It was, uh, you know, he got spun around on a on a retrieval. Um, 
had a terrific year too. I mean, that trade really worked out for for him and Cam Loops. Um, you know, a great season with the production offensively, and you know, coming in on a on a on a high confidence wise. So I know it'll be some time off this summer and and a little bit of a late start for him. But I think uh, if it's not going to take him far to reflect on this past season to and and get himself excited and, and motivated to get back on the ice. And Judd, in, in February, I saw Pavel Novak in the wild press box. He just looked great, um, you know, considering what he's had to go through uh, with being diagnosed with cancer uh, last summer. Um, how is he doing physically? And uh, the, the last thing he told me is he's going to spend a lot of his t- summer here, or at least come to development camp. Um, do you expect that he's going to be full ready to go come training camp? Yeah, well, for one, I he's a special kid he really is mm-hmm. um in terms of his positivity his outlook um his willingness to to dig in and and really want to continue to compete so i i i expect him to be there and i expect him to to compete like he always does he's just such a such a great kid um hard not to root for him too Jeff, what are like three of your best favorite places to travel when you're scouting like what are the, some places like i'm get to go this place like this is i can Looking forward to using my expense account right here. Like, what places do you love love going to? Um, Kelowna's got to be high on the list. Love Kelowna. Um, Halifax is another. Um, geez. And uh, um, I actually, Portland's pretty sneaky too in terms of uh, the food and, uh, and the craft beer scene out there. So I don't mind getting to Portland as well. At like Finland or Switzerland or something like that. I thought you'd make some like a like, uh, tournament or something like that. You know, I thought you'd be. Oh yeah, we get we get. I mean, I like listen. I got to a few years ago. We were over in uh, Slovenia and Bled. That's incredible, like incredible location. So and the hotels right on the right in the lake there. Rink walking distance. It was April too, so it was beautiful. So we're 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 lucky. We get to hit some great spots along the way. Have you been to Brett McLean's? Uh- doesn't he own a brewery like bowling alley type thing in Kelowna? No, I haven't been there, but I'm I'm gonna. Have, oh my god, I'm gonna have to reach yeah. out for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can compare notes on how to run a how to run a <laughs> restaurants. Uh, I heard it's it's unbelievable, and I think it's Kelowna. I'm great. I'm pretty positive. Well, great, um, con- great concept too. So I like yeah. that. Um, b- back to this year's draft. Um, you know, like how how confident are you? I know. Like wild fans sometimes get really cynical about that every year they have to pick in the 20, you know, right at 21. I mean, you know, that that seems to be the the magic number for Minnesota. But how confident that you're going to be able to find a really quality player? It sure feels like the last couple of years drafting in that area, you found players that you guys are very excited about. Yeah, we're going to be excited about the player we pick. And I think others will be, too. Um, You know, confident in it and uh you know what be- being in the 20s isn't a bad spot let's let's pick even higher up uh in in the next coming years that'll be great so <laughs> um no we're excited this is like i said there is depth here too it's not a spot where we feel like we're falling out of favor we're, we're very excited to be at 21 and and excited about uh, the potential who could be there yeah I, but uh, on, on that point uh about uh, you know picking late judd i i I almost, I, th- I thought it was almost fitting that you guys get this second round pick for Jordan Greenway, and then Vegas wins the cup. You know, like <laughs> so, you get the last pick in the second round. It was yeah. like, oh, it was like, I don't know. It just felt so Minnesota wild. You know, we'll make good use of it, <laughs> Judd. Uh, what's prior to the AHL? Like, what's the best developmental league you've seen, or, or historically, like, is it the you know 
KHL? Is it jun- you know junior? Is it going to college? Like I know every player is different in their developmental cycle and, and their needs. But have you seen some leagues get better over the time you've you've been in this business in terms of it would be before you're like oh maybe not go to college maybe not go the CHL route but some areas that are a bit early strong in development for for guys once they get picked. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's one league in particular that stands out as as you know the marquee for development. Mm-hmm. It's finding the right spot for your player. Um, could be a coach relationship, it could be opportunity, ice time. So it can be NCA. I mean, the KHL is is obviously terrific hockey. So if you're playing at that level, you're playing in the SHL, you're you know, you're playing against men and you're playing with great structure and in coaching, but that doesn't mean that the route, you know, from NCA or Quebec League or somewhere in the CHL is is the wrong one. Um, you know, like it it's it's about opportunity, it's about growth, it's about putting in your time. So some guys are ready for the big jump to play against men and others need a little more time and, 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 and maybe slow, uh, develop at a slower rate. So there's not one league in particular that's getting it done, but uh, you know, and it's on the players too. It's not the league so much as it is them. They got to put the work in and they got to respond to the challenges ahead. Judd, uh, you know, final couple of minutes of the show, um, you know, we're going to Nashville uh, early Joe and I, because we have like an athletic summit and sometimes these, these things are really cool because it kind of brings all of your teammates together uh, where we haven't, you know, you, you run into people on the road and things like that. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, as as kind of the leader of a enormous scouting staff where you have people all over Europe, all over North America, how do you do that to kind of keep that camaraderie, that team, rather than just doing Zoom check-ins and things like that? Do you, do you have getaways during the year and and things like that? It's, it's, it's so important too to have that rapport and that time together. Um, obviously we get together as a group at mid year. Uh, we do it at, at the end of the season. We do it at the draft. So those are special times where we get everybody together. I think I'm probably the lucky one where I get to travel a lot. So I get to bump into our guys and spend time with them. But, you know, this is special. This is where our Western League scout gets to spend some time with the guys from Sweden. So I'm fortunate. I travel the globe, so I get to spend the time, you know, with each of our guys, you know, you know, at different times during the year. Um, but we cherish these moments. We get some, you know, we, we work hard, but we have some fun too. And we'll have, you know, we'll have a good dinner while we're there. And it's, you know, good to check in, see what, uh, you know, what people's kids are up to and what the summer looks like. And, and it's also important for these guys to re- recharge the battery a little bit uh, after a long year of travel. Kind of a selfish question for me because my wife and I moved here in October to the Twin Cities. But since you're a restaurant guy, a food guy, like are some go-to spots in Twin Cities that you hit up every time you're in town for meetings that you're like, hey, I'm going to go to these reservations for these two or three places that are my go-to spots? When we're in, we're we're in St. Paul, so uh, big show. We're at we spend a lot of time at Tom Reed's, so <laughs> that's our that's our good, good answer, good branding yeah. right there. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, somebody did ask uh, here, Judd, if if you were going to go uh, to the port, and you have two restaurants, I should say, but if you're going to go to the port, what is the best dish? What is the one thing that Jade should buy? Should I get was- have for dinner there. I was there last night, had dinner with uh, my wife, brother, and nephew, and I had the scallops risotto. It's it's killer. So it's you know giant giant scallops seared risotto with uh, bacon lard and some scallions. It's it's dynamite. So uh, wow, it's a it's a must for me. It's I actually probably with the draft and some travel coming up here this week. I'm not going to be back to the Cape for for probably about 10 days. So that that's your answer there. If I'm not going to be back for 10 days, I'm the scallops risotto. 
And Dave wants to know, besides your Cape Cod restaurant, what off the beaten path places would you recommend to Minnesota to try in Cape Cod? If you're coming to the Cape, I think there's a, a quintessential. It's called Sasuet Harbor Cafe. It's a it's a BYOB. Um, it is counter service picnic tables, but you're on the beach, you're on a harbor. The boats are coming in and out. You catch an unbelievable sunset. You would expect that this is the Cape would be littered with places like this, but it's it's unique. It's a, it's it's a it's a must. So if you're coming to Seward Harbor Cafe, that's uh you know you're gonna eat on paper plates and you're gonna get lobster rolls with uh, you know corn on the cob. It's just and and potato salad. It's it's just traditional as it comes. Russo, I'm officially calling the Boston trip next year right now. So it's on the record. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I think that was my biggest disappointment this year is that the Wild opened the season. Like the first five-game trip, if I remember, was it's the first road game was in Boston. And it was like an afternoon game. So I called Judd. I'm like, hey, after the game, I'm coming out to the port. And Judd's like, well, I'm in Western Canada. Yeah. So. Saturday afternoon, I was like, I'd I'd love to be there, but uh, uh, that's just the beginning of the season, so I'm I'm grinding pretty hard. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Judd, uh, really appreciate it. Joe, did you have one more? No, I was just going to ask him what his his schedules are like. What what are your kids involved in? I know you mentioned in the top that you had a lot of different events and like your daughter's going to school. Like, what's your, what are your kids up to? Uh, Crazy. My daughter's going to be in Pennsylvania uh, the next couple of days. She's a field hockey player. Um, so she's visiting schools and then she's actually got nationals in Virginia. Um, and then my other guy is, uh, my, my, uh, older boy is off with his eighth grade trip to Colorado on Saturday. And then, uh, Deacon who, uh, usually I'm in what I think it was in Vegas two years ago, the brick last year, he'll, he's actually going to be our runner. So he'll be in Nashville with me. Nice. So and that's just this week. So that's uh, that's a, our, our typical crazy travel schedule for as a family. I still remember running into you. I think it was last season in Nashville. Uh, or it was either last season or two right. seasons ago. You were there just – you weren't there with a the wild capacity. You were there on a on a kid's trip, uh, yeah. a hockey trip. Yep. Yeah, and I left from there to go right to Germany for the world championships. Yeah. So. yeah. Pretty crazy. What a life uh, Judd has and the rest of the scouting staff. Um, well, Judd, looking forward to uh, getting together uh, and, and chat with you in Nashville. Uh, it's funny because last year in Montreal, Joe, um, it was like almost like the draft became secondary from the beat writer's point of view yeah. because you had the Kaprizov stuff going on. You had the whole soap opera with Talbot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like all this other stuff was going on. And then all of a sudden, the, like Judd comes out to talk to us about the prospects. I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, who did I forgot. Like, who'd you my actual, <laughs> my ac- yeah, my actual job here. I remember actually interviewing Judd and I Googled the wild draft picks just to remember <laughs> their names because I was so <laughs> distracted with, uh, with all the other stuff. So um, now you're going to get uh, two for the price of one, Judd. You get two uh, beat writers peppering you with the questions in Nashville. And perfect, and and only one first, so there'll be yeah. all, all angles on pick twenty one. <laughs> right, and the third or fourth, we can all go to Tootsie's, right? Uh, yes, just that's leave right. the third, third and fourth rounds, Joe. We're all just leaving the arena and go grab a beer, then we'll come back for the fifth, sixth, and seventh. So, uh, well, hey, Judd, uh, as always, much appreciated. Always appreciate your time coming on uh, straight from the source, and uh, and uh, see you this upcoming week. Thanks for having me. What a spot. This is the Nashville for the draft. Can't be better. Yep. 20 years ago, my favorite draft ever. Well, my thanks to Judd Brackett and Joe Smith for joining this week's edition of Straight from the Source. You can read Joe's coverage of Judd's draft next week at The Athletic. Uh, Former Minnesota Wild 
And NHL forward Patrick O'Sullivan joins Craig Custance and Jean Chantilly this week on the Athletic Hockey Show. And Rob Prizo, Jesse Granger, and myself have the Wednesday Roundtable with a preview of the draft with Scott Wheeler at the Athletic Hockey Show on Wednesday. Get a new subscription to The Athletic for just $2 per month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Again, a new subscription to The Athletic for $2 per month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Everybody.